Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to yet another episode of the BTP Podcast. I'm here joined today by my good friend and colleague, uh, Tyler Martin. Uh, he is, okay, why don't I hand, him, hand it over to him to tell, tell, him, tell you guys about himself? Uh, hey, Tyler, how are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Very good. Thank very you good. for ha- thank you for having me on the podcast. I've always wanted to be on a podcast, so this is a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, thank you for for being here. It's uh, it's mm-hmm. a pleasure uh, to mm-hmm. to to be talking to you. Now, uh, okay, so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? What do you do? Uh, what are your li- uh, what are your likes and dislikes in this yeah. crazy world? Okay, um, a little bit about me. I'm doing a physical and mathematical specialist at uh, UTSC with with you we're in a lot of the same classes and um some of my dislikes covid right now is a big dislike for me so <laughs> right. yeah. and yeah yeah but i love physics, physics and math that's my go-to yeah no it's, it's great stuff i do agree with you in that sh- in that sense we share um the love of physics and uh, math i i so um i don't know if you remember uh imad he was on the podcast a while back mm-hmm. um now, now we got you and hopefully a bunch of other people uh, join in the cohort. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, today actually we're going to talk about something very relatively timely to all of the COVID stuff. And uh, so um, you have done some research uh, and studies on um, you know mathematical modeling, modeling, which I think uh, it's, I guess pe- people are getting tired of hearing it, and it's surprising because now politicians are talking about it, right? Like yeah, oh. I'll, yeah. These are the numbers and mathematical models based on these. We're making these decisions. It's never you could you could never get politicians to pay so much attention to science, I suppose, as you do now. Yeah. Um, so uh, now all of that is about the spread mostly. That's what they were talking about. But all of that mm-hmm. also applies to vaccination strategies, which is probably the most timely because those are the decisions that politicians and then uh, the world leaders around the world are making decisions on, right? Mm-hmm. All of these mm-hmm. uh, numbers that are jumped out. So uh, now for the audience, we are trying today with the help of Tyler to make sense of all of this. Uh, w- w- what are these, um, you know, modelings that they talk about? What, what is yeah. it uh, behind the scene? And um, to, to simplify it to a degree, basically. Um, so why don't you, why don't you go ahead and like started us, start us off with um, what, so what was the starting point of your research early on and what were your, um, you know, thoughts going into it and uh, immediately after you started uh, reading some papers and articles? Yeah, definitely. So first, like you watch the news and you see all these politicians, like you said, talking about mathematical modeling, and then you go, what is even mathematical modeling in the first place? So then you have to do a little bit of research of when it first started. First off, we haven't even done a ton of research in mathematical modeling. Um, it only started around, like going up around 40 years ago. Wow. And recently, uh, there's two big definitions of mathematical modeling we can use today. Uh, one is the deterministic and the stochastic. Those are big fancy words, but they <laughs> pretty much mean uh, stochastic as in random randomness so we can capture the randomness of humans because no one can actually predict human behavior or human psychology uh, deterministic is a little less complex it just kind of puts humans as a person 
with no emotion, no thoughts of what they're going to do. They're just there. And then we can judge how a disease reacts from these two different types of models. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and do you know, so, I mean, that, that's a natural, we're going to delve into what they are in, in a second, maybe in, mm-hmm. in further depth, but do you know, what are the, when, when people talk about these modelings, is it, is it mainly stochastic or deterministic or sometimes this, sometimes that, or a combination of both? What are, what are they usually talking about? Or what are the most uh, effective, perhaps? I don't know. The most effective, uh, from my point of view, from what I found, is stochastic modeling is most effective. Mm-hmm. Um, although it's more complex, meaning we have to have big, fancy computers to run all our simulations. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more effective in actually grasping our results and accurate results mm-hmm. uh, what, to when you c- compare it to deterministic modeling. Um, I would say for deterministic modeling, it's more better for hand and paper. So if you want to, if you want to do a model by hand and paper, like we all do in class, then that's a good way. But stochastic modeling is definitely the w- way to go when right. you have the time. Yeah. Right. So, so the deterministic model doesn't take into account, just to clarify, right? It doesn't take into account human behavior. So for example, if you're supposed to be social distancing, you're social, this, that's an absolute state. Like it doesn't consider that, you know, if you're in a lockdown, uh, you're going into grocery and you might happen to you know, remove your mask to and unlock your phone. So none of these is accounted for. I mean, I, I guess it's not mm-hmm. specifically accounted for in this stochastic yeah, yeah. model either. Yeah, that's your take. Exactly. <laughs> but it basically treats it as an absolute state, state, meaning that it's it's everything being purposeful. Uh, is it? Well, I guess it depends on the uh, assumptions you make too, right? You can also make yes. the assumption that right. So so yeah. but but whatever assumption you make is a fixed one in the in the uh, in the what do you call it? It's the deterministic modeling, right? Yeah, everything is fixed. Uh, for the stochastic model, we actually have a probability. Right. So like, if you're more probable to go outside or if you're more probable to stay inside. So it's not like you're fixed to do one certain thing. We have a right. probability density, yeah. Right, so instead of being zero or one, it's somewhere between zero and one. And it's exactly. Potentially. Yeah. And it, are those models like the stochastic ones, are these probabilities dynamic, maybe changing in time? Uh, time? Yeah, okay. for sure. They change in time because people's uh, reactions to a pandemic changes with time as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like, like we saw when the pandemic first started, a lot of people were outside and about not really caring. But as soon as the stay-at-home orders and stuff came along in the lockdowns, then we had to stay inside. So then our right. model has to account for that as well. Right. Yeah. No, that's that's fair. Uh, is there anything specific you want to uh, talk about in either either of the two uh, in their uh, technicality? So what are the factors that we're looking at when we're saying probability of, for example, you mentioned human behavior, but what other factors are relevant here? Because actually, it depends on how complex you want to make your model. So if you want to make a super complex model, then you could take in a ton of factors, like not only just human behavior, but like traveling around the world and which planes travel to which countries and which are bringing back stuff. Or um, another common thing is for Western societies, we like to shake hands. And so for other societies, we don't have that type of contact. Mm-hmm. Um, like in Asian societies, it's normal to bow. Right. Um, so 
just like even the smallest things just like that you can take into account into our model and mm -hmm. but as the more you take into account the more complex it gets so it's kind of like a trade-off right yeah. right yeah and uh, and then you did mention the um uh, we'll get to vaccines soon enough i suppose but you did mention like it is really depends so these uh these models all start with this, some sort of assumption right mm -hmm. because and, and that assumption determines what the so so let me take actually a couple of steps back for people who are not maybe thinking about so the idea is that you want to see you want to uh, model meaning try to predict what will happen given a certain guesses like so you 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 say okay if there's no lockdowns right mm -hmm. and, and correct me if i'm wrong here or if i'm slightly off or you can add yeah. a caveat to it but the idea is that if we make certain assumptions, meaning, for example, there's no lockdowns, everybody's behaving like they would, there's no pandemic at all, right? What is the number, what are the numbers are going to look like? What are the number, uh, the number of um, uh, people who are getting sick or who are dying? What demographics, what, you know, geographical neighborhoods, perhaps in the country, mm -hmm. the city, et cetera. Um, and based on that, and then you combine and you, then you create different models with different sets of set of assumptions and find out what you want to do depending on what you want to achieve. So, for example, you want so one is that absolutely no restrictions what, so, uh, at all. One with minimal restrictions, maybe just social distancing and mask, but then do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. Or maybe 20% capacity restaurants, whatever, or uh, absolute lockdown. So you, you create certain assumptions, you take certain assumptions and you model these and you see, try to see into the future essentially. And then try and then politicians come up and based on those predictions, if you will, make certain uh, decisions about what to do, what restrictions they, what, they want to impose on the population and whatnot. Is that is that a fair summary of what, what is the point of these modelings in the first place? Yeah, yeah, that was a great summary. And the, a big point is, is the relationship between the politicians and the scientific researchers. Mm -hmm. So if they don't have a good relationship and they're not constantly communicating over mm -hmm. what they're finding from these models, then the politicians will have a harder time making decisions on health policy uh, right. issues, right? So there, you have to have that constant communication going back and forth so you can make those good decisions. Exactly, now that's a very, very fair point actually. Uh, and so now I, I said all of this so to clarify all of this, but the beef I have with these modelings at some point, um, not, not all the time, but um, first of all, they're not the, so this, <laughs> this, is, the, uh, this is the idea um, that some people talk about. Actually, my dad always talks about this. He's like, the carpenter only cares about the wood or the shoemaker cares about his shoes and the electrician mm -hmm. cares about his wires. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, when you're talking to somebody whose job is to save lives, the only thing they're going to care about is to save lives. And yeah. to save lives doesn't comprehensively take into account everything. It just takes into account saving lives who are being lost due to COVID, period. Yeah. You know, like if, if, it, it, if it, I mean, I'm not saying that those people are actually thinking like this, but that's their priority because that's their job. And mm -hmm. the same way my job is, I don't know what it is, but right now it's to talk. So all I'm going to yeah. focus on is talking, right? Yeah. So um, my point is that um, 
okay, all these modelings are good and done. I guess supposedly the politician's job is to take into account all of these modelings from the, uh, you know, the the scientific community from the uh, from the health community first in the first place, and then similar modelings are going to be done slightly different, obviously, but similar mathematical modelings are going to be done in, on the economical side by the mm -hmm. economists or what are, what are the impact are going to be based on different assumptions again to the yeah. economy. And then eventually politicians going to be a general person taking all of these into account. That's at least the idea. Yeah. Um, and then make some, some decisions. Anyways, let's back up. So the beef that I have is that they are, they're the, there is no caveat by when, when you talk to the, me and you know it, the scientists mm -hmm. know it, but when you're communicating this to the public, there's no caveat that all of these modelings, though they predict into the future, they they highly depend on your assumptions. And as you mentioned, ultimately they're completely probabilistic. Like mm -hmm. I, some of these modelings I have seen specifically uh, restricted to Ontario, where we are in Canada. So, yeah. and and some of these don't take in, take in, don't take into account at all that um, they're in fact travelers coming from uh, different countries and I'm not saying they shouldn't right mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and their 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 only variable is human behavior due to lockdowns or restrictions or whatnot and sure that changes the numbers but but let's 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 toy around with no travels whatsoever or where are these you know where are these outbreaks actually coming from is it is it because yeah. of travelers or is it not or is it because people are going to restaurants or is it not so i think this is very lost and they again and it portrays outside um to the public so much that you know these are uh, god-given things which they're not mm -hmm. I, I think and would you agree with that they're they're very very varying depending on your assumptions definitely assumptions is like probably one of the biggest things like you can have a model that is almost exactly the same, but if you vary one thing, they can go completely different directions. Like you can be off by, if you're calculating the number of deaths, you can be off by quite a lot. So our underlying assumptions are, of our model are particularly important that we make accurate assumptions from what we actually perceive in the world. Perfect. Now, I just wanted to clarify, make sure that I'm, on, on track there um, mm -hmm. not just uh, spewing nonsense <laughs> out there <laughs> now uh obviously now uh, the, the more interesting subject today has become the vaccination and vaccination yeah. strategies how you vaccinate when to vaccinate who which population to vaccinate which uh, geographical location to vaccinate etc um mm -hmm. so all of these are very good questions and again similar modelings are being done and i know you were talking about before we started this conversation uh, live recorded um you were talking about this uh, New York Times article, which was uh, looking at different uh, vaccination strategies. And um, uh, essentially they were trying, so this is the title of the, uh, the article, if I let me read it out. When, when could the United States reach herd immunity? Well, question, question mark, and the answer is it's complicated and they answer this. So first of all, uh, well, let's define herd immunity. What is herd, in, herd immunity for those who don't know it? Okay. Uh, I have a define one more thing before sure. I define herd immunity. Okay, fair enough. So uh, first there's a reproduction number. So mm -hmm. a reproduction number basically just says, if I have the virus, how many people on average would I pass the virus on to? So say I have a reproduction number of two, 
that means me having the virus, uh, on average, I pass it on to two more people. So a herd immunity says that our reproduction number is less than zero, less than one. Mm-hmm. So when we have less than one, then there's no chance of an outbreak or an epidemic happening. Um, and this means that there's less risk of the situation getting more serious. Mm-hmm. So herd immunity basically just says, um, wait, let me get a good definition, that the state of the population uh, where the fraction protected is sufficient to prevent outbreaks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so herd immunity kind of just is basically what we want to reach from vaccination efforts. Yeah. Right. Vaccination and the fact that people already, some people already got and then recovered, right? And supposedly yes, they can't exactly. get uh, reinfected. Exactly. So there's right. like, a, we have to take into account a removed population when we're doing these. The removed population is basically people who've gotten it and can't get it again, or people who have tragically passed away from it, mm-hmm. or people who have immunity to it. COVID, we don't know if there's any immunity to it yet, like underlying immunity, but mm-hmm. there are other uh, diseases with immunity. Right, exactly. So, so then that, uh, and that, because there's a certain portion of the population, whatever that number may be, that is removed, then the R naught, which is the reproductive number, drops below one, which ends up uh, over time, this virus decays because it cannot. So if I get it, if my R naught is one, mean, means that if the average is, means that if I get it, I can only give it to one more person. So I'm only replacing myself. I'm not growing. And okay. if it's less than one on average, it means that I'm not even replacing myself. So over time, this is going to vanish. Is that's exactly. right? Okay. Exactly. So, yeah. Right. So, so in that sense, a combination of these, whether you're vaccinated and you're immune or you're, so if I got it and I come to contact with you and assuming you're vaccinated, then you can't possibly get it. Uh, whereas if you were not vaccinated, I would give it to you and my R naught would be at least plus one because you're not, mm-hmm. you, you are not vaccinated. You're not immune. Yeah. Yeah. Now that immune, not being immune or whatever. So either that person is passed, so it doesn't even exist to, mm-hmm. you know, contract it or they already got it. So they they have immunity because they cannot be reinfected at least for a period of time. We don't know what the period of time is exactly, but mm-hmm. let's just say for now, for the purpose of this argument, let's just say it's indefinite. Yeah. And, or that person is vaccinated. Again, same idea. Now, now let's go back to the uh, article, I suppose, and you can take the reins from there, but I'm going to reiterate the question. So they were trying, the researchers were trying to see um, when the United States reaches this herd immunity, meaning that uh, the reproductive number will be le- less than one, so eventually the virus will die out over a period of time, and it definitely cannot grow. Mm-hmm. And their conclusion in one sentence was as complicated. So why did they say that? And what 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 were they looking at? What they find? What what happened? Go ahead. Yeah, it is actually very complicated. I think as a Canadian too, looking at what the states is mm-hmm. doing is definitely beneficial for us, um, because we don't very a ton from them. Uh, some of the states have a lot more relaxed uh, laws as in like they can walk around without masks and stuff, but yeah. we're actually fairly the same. Um, so just looking at this is very interesting. One thing they wanted to look at was if they sped up the rate of vaccination 
So on average, the U.S. is administering about 1.7 vaccination shots a day. Um, so if they continue to do this, um, they reach herd immunity by July and around 100,000 people would pass. Um, however, if they sped it up, uh, it would increase to around 13 uh, million shots per day. Then they reach herd, herd immunity by May and 90,000 people would pass. Um, and if they increased it even more, which is very improbable to 5 million day, that's kind of insane. Uh, they would reach herd immunity by April and 80,000 people would pass. I think the more interesting um, part of this article is looking up, is looking how um, herd immunity and vaccination along with, um, with relaxing social distancing measures comes into effect. Mm -hmm. So if you actually uh, keep 1.7 million shots per day, and then look at relaxing your social distancing measures. Uh, they will reach herd, herd immunity by July, like I said before, 100,000 mm -hmm. people would pass. But if you lift restrictions when 15% of the population is vaccinated, then you reach herd immunity by June, so uh, a little earlier than July, mm -hmm. and 17, uh, or sorry, uh, 170,000 people would pass. So that's a mm -hmm. big jump from 100,000. Mm -hmm. And then even more interesting, if they end all restrictions right now, um, then they'd reach herd immunity by May. But in that case, 320,000 people would pass. So mm -hmm. these jumps to me are just like insane when you mm -hmm. look at how many people would pass um, if you just relax the restrictions on social distancing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm. Right. And, and yeah, that, that is, that is insane. Like, and the same thing we were talking about, <clears throat> the initial assumptions can change a lot. And the same thing happens <clears throat> in the vaccination strategies and social distance. So I think, so now I, I don't know if I got it right. So with currently with the, um, with what do you call it? Um, the current rate of vaccination, mm -hmm. and the if we don't, if we keep the measures in place, like the social distancing, the, at least the basic measures such as the social yeah. distancing and the masks. Yeah. Now that number of death in the United States until the herd immunity is achieved is one hundred thousand people. Yeah. Right. So yeah. if so, let, let's let's take this again. So if the <clears throat> same rate of uh, giving vaccine to the U.S. population is continued, not increased, mm -hmm. not decreased, mm -hmm. which is 1.7 million per day, which is impressive, by the way. Is a lot, though, yeah. Though they have a lot, a big population too. Yeah. Um, bigger than Canada, I mean. So anyways, so 1.7 million per day until the next foreseeable future, like in this next few months. And then you still do social distancing. You still do wear masks, maybe not, no major parties or anything. And mm -hmm. then... The estimated number of deaths from COVID until July, which is the time that they reach herd immunity, is 100,000. Yeah. But if they don't take the, if they ease up the measures, meaning don't wear masks, maybe don't social distance, maybe throw away some parties, but not a lot, uh, yeah. then, then that then that number jumps by almost twice, 1.7, 1. 1.70,000 yeah. all of a sudden. 
which yeah. is uh, and 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 now let's say we keep the social distancing measures and um, hold on a second, let me see if I get this article right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, if you do increase the uh, supply to three million a a a, a, a day, yeah. But that, but then they, they didn't do any um, investigation as to what happens if you do measures or don't do measures. Do they? No. If you increase do, the supply but also keep the measures. Oh no, they didn't. They, they just didn't did do that. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. They didn't do that. Okay, um, but it's, it is very interesting. And okay, but if they do increase the, however, if if they do almost double the shots, uh, although they reach herd immunity much sooner. Still, number of deaths is like ten thousand people less from hundred to ninety thousand. Yeah. That doesn't make a lot of sense. How's that? Do you know? I'm not too sure. That would also depend on what we we're talking about before their underlying assumptions. Right, right. So um, they, they didn't talk about those assumptions, I suppose, right? And the yeah, they yes, they do. Uh, oh, they, they do. They okay. put it in in the beginning a little bit, but not a lot. Okay. Long, because long, long. yeah, they also do cover. Um, the different types of variants. Which oh, is very okay. interesting. So um, with the current variant, like I said before, 100,000 by July. Mm -hmm. um, so 100,000 people would pass and they'd reach herd immunity by July. Mm -hmm. But for the more contagious, like very more contagious variants um, with precautions, uh, and they in those states gets all of those variants. They would have around two hundred thousand people pass, mm -hmm. and they reach herd immunity by July. Wow. But if they have the most contagious variants with no precautions at all, they reach an insane number of um, five hundred thirty thousand people would pass, and they wow. reach herd immunity by April. So wow! So so more number of people in short amount of time. Basically, mm -hmm. exactly. More, more it's, oh my. Yeah, it's it's quite a number to look at. Uh, the death toll at that point would be just insane. So, so in in a way, the 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 immunity due to getting the virus and recovering from it is actually acting much faster than the vaccination process. Basically, so that's why they're getting to the herd immunity earlier because the virus is infecting everybody, and whoever survives just is immune. So the immunity increases fast. Mm -hmm. But, but uh, obviously, a lot of people are. Yeah, it's at a big die. cost. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's but that, that is like these numbers. That that is um, uh, looking at these numbers is actually quite. Uh, we we will, by the way, um, I, I should say this, say this. We will put the link a link to this article in the show notes. So if anybody wants to go and look at these numbers uh, themselves, feel free to do so. Okay, let's let's uh, now. Move move forward unless you want to talk about this article more. I don't know if there's anything left. No, no. Okay. No, no, no. Yeah. Okay. Um, so let's move forward a little bit and um, talk about what are the discussed um, around the table, if you will, uh, uh, the different strategies of vaccinations, and what is the argument for each of them in terms of who to vaccinate, which areas to vaccinate, why and why not, etc. Yeah, there's a couple different um, methods of vaccination. One very promising one is called a focused method of vaccination. Mm -hmm. That's where you focus in on a certain group of people, give them all the vaccination that we have. Mm -hmm. And then once they are not basically is getting better, 
then you move out to a little more di like diverse, uh, further out rural areas and start vaccinating there. Oh, so it's so, it's mostly thinking geographically, right? Yeah. If you're yeah, if you're exactly. in a big if you're in a big congested populated city, for example, let's say mm -hmm. Toronto, New York, whatever, then you focus on that and leave the rest of the state and the province alone, right? That's the idea? Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah, go ahead. And so like that strategy is actually one of the more promising strategies. Um, mm. So we actually, as Canadians, we see this happening now. Uh, Nova Scotia is giving up some of their vaccination to mm. other places in Canada so that we can actually get to a herd immunity for Canadians as a whole faster, mm. yeah. Mm, interesting. And do, do you know, is, is now across Canada, one story, but within Ontario, do you know if they're using this strategy or not? Like the focus I'm, strategy? I'm not too sure. Um, from what I know, it's more of a, just everyone gets it or the most people, important people get it first, as in the people who are um, doctors, and who are, yeah, doctors, frontline workers, or people who need it like the elderly who need it mm. um so people like that would get it first so it's more they're not focusing on a particular area they're just trying mm. to get uh the people who are ooh, i can't think of the word more more vulnerable maybe <laughs> exactly more right, vulnerable yeah. right uh yeah uh, look i get i get the i i think the doctors and nurses is a bit clear to me because we want them to be healthy to take care of all of us, not just for COVID, for everything, really. So mm -hmm, that's yeah. even from a very selfish point of view, not uh, acknowledging their sacrifices, completely selfish point of view, you, you still want them to get it first, I think. Mm -hmm. The frontline mm -hmm. workers, especially doctors and nurses, and the rest of the frontline workers, per perhaps too, paramedics, police officers, etc. So yeah. those are, because those are very important, like they have to be able to function, and at the same time, like very urgently be able to function. And at the same time, they're, much higher at, at much higher risk so mm -hmm. that i think makes com complete sense um but after that although elderly are most vulnerable but they're not mixing as much i'm not so convinced that the focus after that prioritizing those people the focus approach will not be more uh, successful than, mm -hmm. but they still also by the way so they still do these similar modelings get taking different assumptions right for example assuming yeah. that you give it to elderly and assuming that you give it to like a focus strategy to give it to p parts of the population that are mixing and mingling more. Mm -hmm. um, maybe they're denser neighborhoods, for example, the, the, basically the places that have the highest numbers, ge geographical yeah. places, right? Yeah. Um, so get them, you know, as, as, as soon as they get contained, they can't really move it on either, right? As much. Mm -hmm. Uh, what, what do you think on that? What are your thoughts personally based on I the think, things that you're saying? I think mathematical modeling wise, it's, uh -huh. uh, it's a better way to get down the death toll to vaccinate the elderly first. Like if you think about it, our death toll will go down if we vaccinate the elderly first compared to everyone else because the elderly are dying the most. Sure. So if you're just looking at it, from a mathematical modeling point of view, it's like, if we want to get down the death toll, yeah. vaccinate the elderly. Right. Um, in general though, uh, I'm not too sure. I would say the focus strategy is probably the better strategy to go to, but I'm after the frontline workers get their vaccination, right. I don't know 
I'm not too sure who should get it after that. Right. I'm really not. It's a it's, very com complicated yeah. story, obviously. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you don't want to sure step either. on people's feet by saying, now nah, you shouldn't get vaccinated. Yeah, yeah. Right? So, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I'm definitely not saying that I think focus is the right way to go. I'm just saying mm -hmm. it's not really clear which one is. Uh, mm -hmm. And maybe there is no one right answer or one wrong answer. Maybe both answers are wrong or both are yeah, right. Yeah. So yeah. it's just a slightly better. I think they're actually at the end of the day in the long margins of things, depending on what you're looking at. Yeah, sure. Maybe if you're um, <clears throat> pure, purely looking at death tolls due to COVID specific. Because on the other hand, look, uh, there have been uh, uh, reports and studies done on the, the side effects of this whole COVID thing. Like not, yeah. you know, not just the deaths and despair from the COVID, but also mm -hmm. the loss of job, economic distress, you know, suicide rates, people who mm -hmm. couldn't get their scans and for cancer, et cetera, their operations. And that, that all of that is obviously costly as well. And we cannot just ignore that. Uh, mm -hmm. Although the forefront is the COVID uh, uh, disaster, but it has a you know, side effect uh, that, that is rippling through our societies and communities as well, right? So we, we definitely would like to, uh, if, if we do like to look at it comprehensively, I think at the end of the day, the, the, the approaches are not really clear cut. Mm -hmm. And that is what you were mentioning, like in terms of if you want to introduce more variables, it just keeps getting more complicated. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and perhaps yeah. even impossible to to predict anything with any good amount of good measure of uh, uh, accuracy. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, I guess the bottom line is it's very complicated. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not as easy as this is the right way to go. So maybe we can relinquish that arrogance, uh, I suppose, to a degree because it is a complicated problem. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, uh, is there anything we left on the vaccination front uh, that we you, you wanted to talk about that we didn't? I think we pretty much covered it all. By no means am I also a vaccination expert. No, of course <laughs> no. We're yeah. just discussing yeah. our own, uh, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, mm -hmm. experience with these articles Point and whatnot. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's good because I think um, to to a high degree because you actually did study these. Um, matters to a degree. I mean, again, I'm not we're not claiming that we're experts, neither of us, but because you, uh, you have done specifically the math mathematical modeling, I'm sure you have more understanding than many, including myself. So um, it's good to, uh, we don't need to, to uh, listen to the greatest experts and increase our knowledge. I think it doesn't, that's, as long as you know more than me, I can learn from you. That's, that's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, Okay, yeah. Um, so I think uh, it's a good place to stop, uh, like end our conversation. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm going to give you a few moments after this to, you know, uh, gather your thoughts, final words, if you want to say. But before that, I think it's a good point. I think this was a good, uh, good understanding. I think you had this uh, epiphany, I suppose, and I definitely did, that it is, in fact, a complicated matter. It's not mm -hmm. as easy as one, two, three, go. Uh, mm -hmm. It's a bit, it requires in-depth contemplation. And at the end of the day, there are going to be mistakes. There are going to be errors. There are going to be things that are not going to uh, get to the right answer um, uh, or what is even the right answer, right? So mm -hmm. all of these are uh, subject to a lot of assumptions. And I think that was that was the, summer, uh, the, uh, the most important epiphany of all in this uh, 
in this journey today. Exactly. Um, yes. Do you have any final thoughts that you want to add to it um, of your own? Maybe one last thought, and that sure. is that no mathematical model can accurately predict the future. <laughs> like no matter what, if we take in the as many complex variables as we can, we can't yeah. predict exact amount of people who will die. So yeah. take every everything these politicians say about mathematical modeling yeah. with a grain of salt when they're right. saying it, but some of them are actually fairly accurate at the yeah. same time. Yeah. So, yeah. They're, they're the best worst thing we have. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Right. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, thanks. Uh, thanks, Tyler. Uh, it was Thank a pleasure you. talking to you today. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. No problem. And thank you all for tuning in and listening to yet another episode. And I hope you enjoyed it. Leave your comments, uh, suggestions, questions below. There are There's going to be uh, show notes, as I mentioned, which we're going to include the New York Times article in it. And uh, until later episode, have a good one. Take care. Mm-hmm.